Welcome back to Chasing Perfection, a UConn women's basketball podcast. I'm Daniel Connolly here with Megan Gower. We finally have the answer to the question, what is wrong with AZ Fudd? After four games that she underwhelmed in three of them, along with one breakout performance for 18 points against USF, we were trying to figure out how she could get going, what was wrong, why she wasn't exactly the prospect or the player that we expected her to be. Well, it turns out that she'd been injured this entire time. So we heard over the summer during summer workouts that she had been dealing with some sort of injury. It was a foot issue. It limited her for a lot of those workouts. We didn't really hear a whole lot about it into the preseason. She played the first four games, obviously, but Gina Oriema said that she's going to be out for a while, at least two weeks. They're going to see how it goes from there. He said it is the beginning of a stress reaction, so it just seems like an injury that they couldn't really figure out what it was, thought that she might be able to play through it. Turns out that she couldn't. Now they're going to sit her down. We don't know how long. My concern is that when you don't really know what it is and you're using terms such as a stress reaction, that kind of gives off the vibe that she might be sidelined for a little while, which is not only not great for her development, that's a pretty big blow to UConn, especially if she was going to be the player that we kind of expected her to be. And if she could have even been half the shooter that she was against USF. So, I mean, we can't say that it's a big blow considering what she did in her first four games, but depending on how the rest of her season goes, assuming she comes back, it could end up being a pretty big absence for the Huskies. Yeah. It seems like we won't know more for a couple of weeks, but I mean, hopefully it's something that they can just resting her for a few weeks. will kind of clear up. They've got a couple of weeks of non-conference play left here before it kind of gets into the thick of the big East. But I think if she's out for an extended period of time, even if she does come back, it's kind of just a big blow because AC is a freshman and, like it, t- you need those games to develop and be ready for March. So I think it takes a hit to her, like her time to, especially like when they get into Big East play and they've got these easier opponents and stuff, and you can play her a ton of minutes, um, and give some of your other players a rest and stuff. I think you know not having that opportunity to develop across the season if she's out for an extended period of time is going to be a big blow for them when you're looking at how much she can tr- contribute when you get to March. I don't know how much I actually want to say this, but one concern that's been in the back of my mind for a little while now is AZ hurts her knee, tears her ACL while she's in high school. Obviously not a whole lot you can do about that. But then last year, her senior year, when her high school finally decided to start playing, she got injured in what, the first or second game or something, and then wasn't able to play at all. She comes to UConn. She hurts her foot in the summer. It continues to be an issue into the season. Now she's going to be missing games. I really hope this is just a bad stretch for her and not something that's going to consistently haunt her throughout her career because I think it's just a fact that with some players, they have trouble staying on the court. And it's not even a matter of toughness or anything like that because Gino said AZ is one of the toughest players on the team. But I just really hope this is more of an anomaly. And once she gets healthy, We're not going to hear about it much more, but it is a bit of the start of a little of a worrying trend. So I hope this is the end of it and not just the start of something. Yeah, agreed. Hopefully this is just, you know, another like injury and a bad stretch for her and we'll we'll take care of this and she'll be fine. But yeah, it's definitely concerning, especially when you like think about like the level of like prospect she is and how much intention there's been on her game. It would be a shame to kind of see her you know, career derailed by continuous injuries. 
Right. And it's obviously too soon to even say anything close like that, but it is just a concern that I've had that this doesn't exactly help alleviate. If there is a silver lining though, it's that UConn really hasn't gotten much off of its bench and AZ, if she wasn't the first player off, she was the second one. So now it's going to fall to Nika Mule and Caroline Ducharm to provide some important minutes off the bench in the backcourt. And I think this is a really good opportunity for Nika Mule to get going because obviously she's a much different player than AZ, but we've seen how important she can be to this team. And maybe now it's just a matter of, okay, you need a guard out there. And if Caroline's not really figuring it out yet, Nika's your only option off the bench. You're going to play her and she's just going to have to figure it out. Gino said during Biggie's media day about the bigs specifically, but it applies in this that sometimes pressure is good and needing to produce and needing to step into a role kind of forces players to play up to that level. Whereas if there's so much talent around them and if they're not really relied on to do a lot, then they get a little too comfortable just being in the background and just practicing and not having an impact. So if there is a benefit to AZ being out for an unknown amount of time, it would be really, really good if you kind of get at least Nika going, but also Caroline Ducharm. She's supposed to also be a really good three-point shooter. She's only taken one on the entire season. She really hasn't gotten all that many minutes. She didn't play against South Carolina. I think she had just four against USF and Arkansas. She had 12 against Minnesota, but still hasn't owned that big of a role. But Gino said yesterday how she's showing it in practice. It just hasn't translated over to the game. So this is a really good opportunity for her, a really good opportunity for Nika. Hopefully this opening can spark one of them or both of them to become more of a regular contributor. Yeah, agreed. I think hopefully we'll get to see you know more minutes from them as a result, and then that'll kind of force them to step up. And I also think, you know, they, they've had a touch tough stretch of game so far to start the season. Like you've played an Arkansas team that's not ranked, but it was a solid Arkansas team. And that was just the opener. And then like you went down to the Bahamas and you played a really good South Florida team and South Carolina. So now, I mean, they've got some tougher non-conference matchups coming this week, but then you're going to start heading into Biggie's play. And I think there's just more opportunities for to take a little bit of the pressure off and for these players to just kind of find their stride. And hopefully with that, we'll see kind of some more production from the bench that will then translate into those bigger games later on. Strictly in terms of numbers, UConn will get a little bit of help with Aubrey Griffin expected to return against Seton Hall. For a while, Gino had been saying that she's dealing with a high ankle sprain. Then he just kind of randomly threw in yesterday how there's also some sort of chronic back issue in there, which isn't really great to hear if I'm remembering right back spasms are what limited her at times last season too right yeah I believe that was the issue last year too which is not a great sign that it seems to be repeating itself right it's one thing to have persistent ankle problems because you can for the most part play through those but once you start getting to the back I remember when Katie Lou Samuelson hurt her back on senior day in 2019 I believe it was and she didn't play for the entire Big East tournament. And then, or oh, back then it was the AAC tournament. It feels like a different <laughs> lifetime ago. And then she kind of had an iffy NCAA tournament, really good at times, didn't look as great at other times. And at some point, Gino said, hey, you just don't mess with back injuries. And they were going to give her enough time to heal because, I mean, he made the same point with AZ that it's not only a long season, it's a long career. They have her 
professional prospects her future in mind it's not all about just trying to win this next game it's more important to have the long-term view even though lou was a senior at that time it is concerning that there's a back problem in there but it will be really good for you to get her back because i think the south carolina game really showed how valuable she is to this team and when she goes out on the floor it feels like there's always some sort of impact that she's making even if it's not showing up on the box score even if it's just rebounds just defense just energy. She's usually contributing something. And I don't think that can be said consistently about anyone else off the bench. So with how much the reserves have struggled at this point in the year to get a whole lot going, having someone like Aubrey Griffin, who can come off the bench, give you something, whatever it is, it doesn't really matter. It'll be something that should be a big boost, depending on how much she plays. Gino didn't give a specific amount of time. He just said, it's however she feels. So we don't know for sure what that's going to look like, but at the very least, she's going to be back. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it'll be a good boost for them to get back. I think, you know, in South Carolina, in the South Carolina game, there was a few moments where I was like, Aubrey Griffin would be a great play- person to put on the floor here. So I think, you know, when they're struggling defensively or, you know, on the glass, like she's a really good option to plug in. So it'll be good to have her back as an option off the bench. Right. Gino had that exact same thought because he put Mir McLean in for a couple <laughs> of minutes. And I don't think we had seen Mir McLean this season, or maybe she played a little bit in the Minnesota game, but she's been pretty much an end of the bench type player. They have very similar skill sets. Obviously, Aubrey Griffin's a little longer. She's a little more consistent. I also thought it was notable that Gino brought up yesterday that Aubrey's jump shot has gotten a lot more consistent. I can't imagine Aubrey doing everything that she already does adding a jump shot, maybe adding a little more consistency that we haven't seen from her in the past. I don't want to set too high of expectations because I think it's more than possible that on Friday night at Seton Hall, she doesn't play more than five minutes, but looking a little further down, if she can continue to get healthy, if she can get in shape, maybe a little more, I don't know where she stands with that. She's definitely someone that can make an impact on this team very, very quickly and could help out really everyone else on the roster just by being the presence that she is in every single facet of the game. Yeah, for sure. I think, I don't know how fast we'll see her get significant minutes. I feel like we probably won't see a ton from her this weekend, but I do think like as she works back up to, you know, being in shape and getting into the rotation and it'll be a really nice addition for them to have off the bench. I think she's just the type of player that they don't, other than Mary McLean, who we saw in that South Carolina game for a couple of minutes, they don't really have a player that, plays in a similar style that she does so I think you know it'll be a really good addition for them just kind of a different look that they can throw at teams I also think this rolls nicely into another area of concern with UConn that kind of jumped out at me unexpectedly I was just doing some research about I honestly don't even remember what it was at this point but I noticed that Dorky Uhas and Kristen Williams are tied for the team lead in offensive rebounds with five. And out of curiosity, I looked last season to see how many times a UConn player had gotten at least five offensive rebounds in a single game. And five different players did it at one point during the season. I believe it was somewhere around like 10 occasions. So the fact that that's how many a single player on UConn's roster has gotten over four games, UConn has been really bad at getting offensive rebounds. They're only getting 6.3 per game, which ranks fifth worst in the nation. Their offensive rebounding rate is a little bit better. I believe that sits 
around 47th worst in the nation. You need to be better. And it's odd because, I mean, some of it probably has to do with the fact that they're the number one field goal shooting team in the nation at 53%. So they don't have a ton of offensive rebounds, but you still need to be better than the production that they're getting. And as Aubrey Griffin has shown us plenty over her first two years, she can get offensive rebounds like nobody else. There are just games where she soars in, gets it, and scores all of her points in that way. So that's an area where Aubrey Griffin could help pretty much immediately, even if she's only in there for five minutes. Yeah, I do think that, that that's a definitely going to be a, a plus to have her on the floor. I'm not as concerned about the numbers. Like they're not great for sure, but I think there's a few things. Like you said, they're shooting well. So like the total their off number of actual offensive rebounds is going to go down because of that. I mean, but the the rate is also low, which means that you know that adjusts for the number of shots that they're they're missing. So that is a little bit concerning, but I do think there's a couple of things that play into that too. I mean, they've only played four games so far. Two of those are against South Carolina and South Florida. Those are two really, really good rebounding teams. So I would expect that you're going to post a lower, you know, rebounding rate in those games because, I mean, South Carolina, Leah Boston, plus everything else they have in the front court, it's going to be harder to get an offensive rebound. And then South Florida also, despite the fact that they're a little bit smaller, is a really solid rebounding team and a really strong defensive team. So not super surprising. I think the other thing that stands out is that their numbers were also pretty low in that Arkansas game, but in that game, you, you saw a lot of time with, you know, just one big on the floor, the bigs were in foul trouble, things like that. So I think that plays into it too. Definitely still something to keep an eye on, but I'm not like, overly worried. I think their defensive rebounding worries me more. Right. It's one of those things that's definitely going to get fixed. I think a big part of it too, we've talked so much about UConn's bigs aren't scoring. Well, that's probably a pretty big reason why they aren't scoring. They're not getting offensive rebounds. Number of easy baskets that you can get from offensive rebounds. You get it, you lay it back up. Aubrey Griffin has made a career out of that so far at UConn. Olivia Nelson Adota used to get half her points off her own offensive rebounds. Dorka Juhas, obviously leading the team. She's capable. She has the size. She has the aggressiveness. She has the physicality in order to do it. And then someone who I've honestly been pretty disappointed with this season is Aaliyah Edwards. Two stats that really stand out to me. She has one offensive rebound on the season. She averaged 2.5 last season. As Gino put it, she would get one every possession last year. She had one possession where she got three in a single trip up the court. And she's also only taken one foul shot, which just feels like she's not playing with that same aggressiveness and physicality and just energy that she had as a freshman where she'd run through three players getting an offensive rebound. And then she'd put up a layup through the other two players on the court, get a foul, go to the line and then shoot. I think they're really missing that from her this year. I don't know if it's a factor of just getting adjusted to playing with Dorka Juhas or maybe trying to do too much and not just focusing on the basics and then letting everything else work from there. But if they can get her to be playing just in terms of energy and physicality and toughness, as I said, at the level that she was at last year, then I think we're going to see her game develop a lot more quickly. But she's got to start there. You can't just go out there and not do those things because that's the biggest contribution that she makes to this team. Very similar to the way Nika Mule is. Nika Mule, usually her, her impact isn't going to show up on the box score. Aaliyah Edwards 
she can have a huge impact on a game and not do too much all on the stat line. If she's playing physical, she's playing tough. If she's beating up other teams down low, that's where she gets all of her success. A lot of her success. I don't want to take away. She gets a lot of her success that way. I just don't feel like we've seen that a whole lot. I'd like to see her get back to that more. And if she does, then UConn's going to have way more offensive rebounds. It's not even going to be close. So the combination of getting Aubrey Griffin back, getting Aaliyah Edwards going, and then just improved play by Nelson Adota and Dorka Juhas, I think that's going to turn things around very, very quickly. And we could see it just on Friday night against Seton Hall because they don't have a particularly big team. I think UConn has a chance to push them around a good bit in the post. So if the turnaround is going to start, Friday's a really good opportunity to do it. Yeah, hopefully that game can be a bit of a confidence boost for the bigs because I think, you know, in the Arkansas game, it was just like a tough game for them with foul trouble. And then down in the Bahamas, you played South Florida, who didn't really let them do anything in the paint. And then you played South Carolina. So they've kind of had a rough start to the season. So hopefully a game against the Seton Hall team that doesn't have a ton inside and that we should, like UConn should be able to dominate against will kind of just be a confidence boost and maybe that helps just iron some things out in the post. For some reason, I'm just not all that worried about their post play. It just doesn't feel like anything that's happening down there isn't fixable. And not only is it not fixable, it doesn't seem like it's that hard of a fix. Gino was saying how Dorka just wants to do so well, so badly that she almost hurts herself in doing that. And I think we've consistently seen that from her, but when she's playing at a good pace, I think we'll see a lot more of the dorky Uhas that we saw against Fort Hayes state. Aliyah Edwards. I think she's just off to a little bit of a slow start. I'm expecting her to get back on track soon. And Olivia Nelson, Adota keeps showing different aspects of her game that we haven't seen from her a whole lot. That first half that she had against South Carolina never would have happened last season, never would have happened previously in her career. She still needs to show that she can do it over the course of a whole game, but it's better for her to show that she can do it a little bit than to not do it at all. Or the way that she fought through the adversity against Arkansas, we hadn't seen that from her in the past. She's slowly stacking positives throughout the beginning part of the season. If we see more of that for longer stretches, I think one day it's just going to click for her and she's just going to turn into this force down in the paint where then Aliyah Edwards and Dorky Juhas only have to be a secondary post player instead of trying to work it in tandem with Olivia Nelson Adota. So maybe my concern level should be higher, but I just really think it's going to be a very simple fix. I don't want to say even easy. I, I will say easy. It's going to be a simple fix. It's going to be an easy fix, not to state the obvious, but they just need to play better. It's not like anything that they're doing is outside of their ability. Like Olivia Nelson Adota just wasn't ready to play in the role that she had as a sophomore. She just actually couldn't do that. That wasn't her fault. She got put in too big of a position too quickly. I don't think that's the case now. I I think this group's going to really come along. I think we're going to see a really good game out of this group on Friday. And I think by the end of the year, not to look too far ahead, this is going to be a really good front court for UConn. And it's going to be a much different game the next time they play South Carolina. So just start stacking good performances and start it Friday night against Seton Hall. I'm looking forward to seeing how it pans out. Yeah, I agree with that. And I'm with you. I'm not that concerned, but it's, first of all, it's so early. Like they've only played four games. If 
feels like it should be more than that at this point, but it's, it's really only been four games. So there's plenty of time to get better. And I think going into the season, I thought that the biggest questions would be in the post. And I feel like we've seen good things so far. So there's a lot of time between now and March. And quite frankly, even with like the things that there are clearly are to work on, they still look like one of the best teams in the country. So I just don't think there's a lot to be worried about there. It'll get better and they'll probably be closer to where South Carolina's at come that next game in January. And I think other than, you know, South Carolina, they're right there with everyone else. There's, there's not a lot to be concerned about. I'm excited to see, I don't know if excited is the right word. I'm intrigued to see how much progress they've made from last Monday to Friday, just because Gino was really happy with them for the 10 days that they've had in between games. He felt like they got a lot done. He felt like they made a lot of progress, but he wasn't sure if it's going to show up in a game right away. I think that was generally kind of the mood from Paige Beckers and Avina Westbrook too. I think they're going to beat Seton Hall pretty easily. I don't think it's going to be all that close of a game. I'm more looking at what the performance is going to be like and how much improvement there's going to be, whether it be in rebounding, offensive rebounding, balanced scoring, the way the posts play, all those sorts of things. It's just about progress at this point in the year. First Big East game, yeah, but this isn't like most other sports. That doesn't mean a whole lot. That just means easier games. So I don't think we're going to see all of those questions immediately answered tomorrow. I think that's a very high bar to set. But at the very least, if maybe you can check off one or two of those boxes, and I think they do go hand in hand a little, like if the bigs are playing better, then I think we're going to see better offensive rebounding. Or if Aubrey Griffin plays, let's say 12 minutes is what she can handle. And she gets some good offensive rebounds and hits a couple shots from the outside and scores eight points. I think I'd be pretty happy with that. Or if Aaliyah Edwards just draws like three charges or if she commits three charges, and sends a Seton Hall player like into the first row, I would honestly take that. I'd be fine if that's the way she (laughs) got into foul trouble on Friday. So let's just see one or two things, not necessarily fixed, but a lot better. And I think, I mean, as long as they win, that's the number one goal, but you fix two problems and see a lot of progress in those two areas. I think I'm going to walk away from Friday feeling pretty good. And then you go into set, Sunday against Notre Dame one day off. You don't have a whole lot of time to practice seeing those same things that improved continuing on in Notre Dame and not just having it be one flash in the pan. So if you're looking for something to watch after this becomes a 15, 20 point game, look for specific areas of improvement. And it's a little tough going from South Carolina to Seton hall, obviously two different caliber of opponents, even though we are big Seton hall fans on this podcast, I still think it's a good enough team where you can judge some progress. It's not like we're playing a Tulane or I guess a Big East example would be a Butler. This is a team that's got NCAA tournament aspirations. This is a team that's going to give them some trouble, even if I think the her hoop stats margin put it at 30 points. That feels a little high, but yeah, those aren't great right now to all say like there's just right. not enough at this point. So yeah, exactly. So that was just my long winded way of saying check off let's just say two boxes check them off continue among oh man pronunciation my continuing on in this sunday i think that could be a pretty successful weekend and no one gets hurt yeah exactly 
Um, I have bad news. I was just going through Twitter while you're talking, and Alexa just tweeted that Aubrey Griffin is no longer available for this weekend. Oh, good. <laughs> good, 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 good. Says that Gino said on the coach's show that there's she won't be available this weekend. Okay. Um, can you find my panic button? Because I am about to <laughs> slam that thing down on Aubrey Griffin. That is incredibly concerning. <laughs> How does she suddenly go from being, oh, yeah, she's definitely going to play on to, no, she's not going to play? Is it a back thing? Is it she twisted her ankle again? I don't know. I'm, I'm slamming down the panic button in terms of Aubrey Griffin's injuries right now. Slamming it. Yeah, it just doesn't feel like a good sign that we in like 24 hours have gone from she's going to be back this weekend and now just kidding. So hopefully we'll get more info tomorrow, but just not a great start to their their weekend slate here. If she can't come back, I mean, you had 10 days off in between games. She hasn't played yet this season, so I guess it doesn't really matter. But I... I don't know. That's just such a dramatic change. Can't be listening to the coach's show and recording a podcast at the same time. But I'm curious, is Gino saying that she's just out? Did he elaborate on it? I don't know. We'll have to figure that out. We'll have updates on the blog. But yeah, now UConn's getting, I mean, they've had thinner benches in the past. I don't think I want to say that they're thin on the bench. But now your options off it are Dorky Uhas, who is pretty firmly a big, Nika Mule, who's a pass-first, defense-first point guard. Caroline Ducharm's got a big opportunity ahead of her. There's going to be a lot of minutes there. There's going to be a very big role for her there. I'm curious to see if she can take it. Everything we've heard about her in practice from the preseason has been that she's capable of making an impact. We haven't seen it in the games, but... It's the same place Aubrey Griffin broke out when she was a freshman. Maybe the same thing can happen for Caroline Ducharm. Ducharm. I think it's Ducharm. I, but I always say Ducharm. Ducharm. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's going to be a big opportunity for Caroline to have, you know, some significant minutes and hopefully get going some year. Because now, I mean, the bench is far from short, like just considering, but like it is a blow to not have AZ Fudd or Aubrey Griffin going into this weekend, especially when you've got like a top 25 matchup on Sunday. Okay. But Notre Dame's not a top 25 team. They actually do look pretty good. I think they are a top 25 team. Like I think it's low top 25, but I do think they are a top 25 team. (laughs) If they were North Cornfield university, they wouldn't be a top 25 team. They're only (laughs) top 25 because they're Notre Dame. Sure. They might look good, but I still, no, no, I still, (laughs) I do think they're only top 25 because they're Notre Dame, but they did beat Oregon state last week, which was a ranked team, not entirely sold on like them, Oregon state being this great team that that's like such a huge win, but I think they've played some solid mid-major teams look pretty good against them. They look pretty good to start the season. If we were playing buy or sell on teams throughout the first, whatever month of the season, three weeks of the season, I would sell on Notre Dame immediately. I mean, I don't think you would be turning a very big profit on that, but no, I don't think this team is, I don't think they're going to pose much of a problem to UConn with or without Aubrey Griffin. 
That's fair. I still don't think it's going to be. Yeah, I think they're going to be fine. I'm not in any way concerned that UConn's going to lose. I just like think going into a bigger game like that, it's going to be a totally sold out gamble. I'm pretty sure they said that it's a sellout already. Um, it's just like a lot. So hopefully, I, I still think they're going to be fine. But it would be a game that would be nice to have a couple extra options for. Right. Well, let's get into previewing both of these opponents this weekend, starting with Seton Hall, a team that we were both very high on in the preseason. They have not exactly helped us out so far to start the season. <laughs> yeah. So they've, to, oh, yeah I go schedule. ahead, because I need to pull up their schedule. <laughs> That's what I'm doing too. So they've dropped two games so far. The first one was a bad loss to Fordham. I do think like Fordham is a better team than people think it is. They gave Baylor a tough time for half last week, but like they still lost by 19 points to Fordham. That's still a bad loss, regardless of the fact that Fordham is a better time that or a better team than we think it is. And then they also lost by 14 to USC last week. So just, just not a great start to the season for them. Um, I mean, they still have, like, I still think it's going to be an interesting game because they still have Lauren Park Lane and they still have Andre Espinosa Hunter. So two really good guards, players that are going to be among some of the better players that UConn's going to see in the Big East. I think especially, like, when we th- look back to, like, that Arkansas game and the trouble that UConn had with guarding some of Arkansas's guards, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how they can make improvements on the defensive end. Don't let Lauren Park Lane go off for 30 like she did last year, things like that. But... I feel like I am a little disappointed in where this team's at right now. I thought they would have been a little better to start out the season. Yeah, it seems like maybe they have, I mean, they don't have a lot of new additions, but they have a couple new additions that maybe they're just trying to figure out how the pieces fit. But it's concerning when you give up 77 points to Lehigh. They got beat pretty bad by USC. Well, granted, USC is a pretty solid team. They've got Lindsey Gottlieb as their head coach. Going to overtime against Toledo's not great at least in my opinion (laughs) so yeah I think they haven't really been at the level that we expected of them I don't think that means they aren't going to get there I think Sunday's game against St. John's that's going to be a big one for them because St. John's isn't particularly good I think they really need to establish that interesting that that game's on FS1 Seton Hall at St. John's on Sunday I mean like that's great. I'm not saying that as a knock, but it is a little weird that that many games for UConn are on SNY instead of FS1 and FS1's picking up that game. Maybe the conference just wants to spread it around or FS1 wants to spread it around, but I don't know. I I feel like the UConn Seton Hall game is going to be a fairly uh, fairly big game in terms of viewership and I think it's a sellout at Walsh gym. And also it is a teddy bear toss game. I don't know what that <laughs> what is, is, but that? <laughs> I don't know. I need to find this out. Yeah. I'm, I now need to know what a teddy bear toss game is. I'm very yeah. curious. <laughs> okay. I'm going to do some investigative journalism on that. How about you tell us about Notre Dame on Sunday? Yeah. I mean, Notre Dame number 24 in the nation now. So it is a top 25 game. I think, I mean, it's still not the Notre Dame that UConn was playing, you know, it was a great game every year a few years back, but they're at least a top 25 team. Like, I think they're a French top 25 team, but they've looked good to start the season. So I think this game is a little bit more interesting than I expected it to be going into the season. 
they've had some solid wins so far. They've got they most notably the beat Oregon State last week, which I think they were ranked around 15th or so, which in my opinion is a bit high for Oregon State, but still a good win. Just one loss so far to Georgia, which is another good team. So they've looked good to start the season. They've got like a whole cast of players whose last names everyone will probably find familiar. Dara Mabry and Maddie Westfeld are their two leading scorers right now. Both were sorry, I lied. Maddie Westfeld is their leading scorer right now. Um, sister of Catherine Westfeld that played on that Notre Dame team a few years back. Also, um, Dara Mabry is on the team as well. So a lot of a lot of siblings of old players. We've also got uh, Maya Dodson of transfer from Stanford that's been playing well for them. So, and then Olivia Miles, the freshman that joined them earlier last year, that looked really good as well. So um, they've they've looked solid. They've got a fair amount of pieces in the starting lineup. Sam Brunel is actually coming off the bench for them now. So they've definitely kind of amped up their roster from the last time UConn saw them. I'm definitely going to get a lot of hate for this, but I'm a big Sam Brunel fan and it's for no other reason that she randomly followed me on Twitter one day. <laughs> so my bar, look, it's very easy to convince me to become one of your fans. Just hit me with a follow on Twitter and I'm all in. So <laughs> no, in, in seriousness. Yeah. One of my friends texted me, I think it was last night and they were like, Oh, what's your prediction for Sunday's game? And I was like, Sunday's like the Notre Dame game. And they're like, yeah, I'm like, UConn's going to win pretty easily they're like what do you mean it's notre dame and i'm like yeah notre dame is not who they used to be yeah. <laughs> not even close to what they used to be so yeah the name's great i find it interesting that it's going to be a sellout especially because it's not like this is the first time uconn's played notre dame since they haven't been good the last time they played at gamble uconn beat the crap out of them it wasn't even a remotely competitive game so a lot of people saw that one i guess that's not really changing anyone's minds it is going to be interesting. There will be some pretty big names in attendance because prior to tip off at 11 o'clock, UConn's going to be unveiling its Olympic monument to honor Olympians who have ties to the school. Sue Bird, Swin Cash, Asia Jones, Steph Dolson. I think those are the big names in attendance. They're going to be there. I imagine if Sue Bird's there, Megan Rapino is going to be there. I think that was the case at South Carolina the last time. I remember Sue Bird being at a game. So that's going to be fun. It's always exciting when there's those big names in the crowd. So it, it should be at least a fun atmosphere on Sunday, even if the game's not that competitive. Yeah, agreed. And it is also the first game back at Gamble. So I'm sure that's just playing into it as well. They haven't actually played at Gamble yet this year, which seems crazy, but I don't know. It feels like we've played more than four games <laughs> this season, but here we are. Anyway, um, so yeah, it should be a good one. I actually do think it's like the game of the week next week, which I think if you asked me at the beginning of the season, I definitely would not have picked it as the game of the week when they've got Georgia Tech and UCLA coming down. But just injuries and transfers there have made those I think, games a little bit less interesting. So it, it may end up being the most interesting game of the week. I found out what the teddy bear toss is. It's actually a pretty good promotion. And I feel a little bad about making fun of it. So fans are encouraged to bring a teddy bear to the game. And then at halftime, they're going to throw it onto the playing court. And all the teddy bears are collected and donated to court appointed special advocates, which quote provides advocacy and essential items for children who have been removed from homes due to neglect, abuse, or abandonment. So that's actually a pretty good promotion. I still want, like, is it going to be like a chuck a puck that they have at hockey games where like the person closest to the 
like center circle wins a prize or is it just you literally throw teddy bears on the court either way i'm very excited for this promotion i'm going to be at seton hall on friday night very excited to go down there very excited to see tony bazella very excited for this promotion <laughs> i feel like you're gonna get like hit in the head with a teddy bear someone that doesn't know how to throw it i guess that's better than getting hit in the head with the hockey puck though so <laughs> yeah no i'm 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 all good with that <laughs> it's teddy bear whatever yeah <laughs> can't hurt that also much. <laughs> i do have to say that seton hall has one of the greatest roster header photos on their online roster that i've ever seen it's all of the players standing on the steps of what looks like a chapel or something. It's like this brownstone building. I think there's kind of stained glass. It's just a very unconventional roster photo. Normally they just have them like on the basketball court sitting in two or three rows. No, Seton Hall's <laughs> got to go all out for this one. So I, don't know. I, I laughed at it when I saw it earlier, when I was just popping onto Seton Hall's website to look at something. So shout out to Seton Hall, big Seton Hall fans. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it should be a good game. I'm excited for that one. Yeah. I think, I don't know if I mentioned it, but I think it's a sellout. Did I just say that 20 seconds ago? You might've, I can't remember either. So it's fine. (laughs) In in case I haven't mentioned it three times, it's a sellout. So should be a fun atmosphere. Should be a lot of UConn fans. I'd say too. Oh, it's too bad that Aubrey Griffin's not going to be playing in this game because Seton Hall is two players from Austining, not just Andre Espinosa Hunter, but Kayla Harris. Is that her name? I think it's Kayla Harris. I don't know how to pronounce it specifically. She's also from an Austining, so could have been a pretty big, I mean, there still will be, I imagine, but could have been a really fun Austining atmosphere. So that's a little disappointing, but either way, go, go pirates. That's one of the rare <laughs> times I'll ever say that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm hoping it'll be a close game. It's not probably going to be, but at least we'll get to see them against, you know, one of the better Big East teams to start off the conference play. For sure. We will take a quick ad break and then come right back. It's been a pretty good week if you're Paige Beckers or AZ FUD. Well, I shouldn't say that considering AZ FUD's out indefinitely. It's been a pretty good week if you're Paige Beckers or AZ FUD on the NIL front. Paige Beckers announced that she is officially a Gatorade athlete, while AZ FUD is now a part of Steph Curry's brand and will receive personal mentorship from Steph Curry. The two have been friends ever since they met each other at one of Steph Curry's camps. So that's pretty cool for Paige. Obviously just being involved with that big of a brand, being the first collegiate athlete to be a Gatorade athlete, such a well-known name throughout sports. Obviously they have a lot of commercials on TV. You see Gatorade everywhere. And for AZ, that's such an interesting NIL deal to strike, especially with someone like Steph Curry. feel like there might be a lot of similarities in their game once all is said and done. So two very interesting NIL deals and kind of showing the power that I think those two are going to have pretty soon or already have in the NIL world. Yeah. Yeah, very different. I think AZ's deal is like kind of something different that I don't know that anyone really expected to see something like that. So I think it's kind of just showing the like kind of range of things that we're going to see. And then, I mean, obviously Paige Becker signing with Gatorade, that's huge. I also feel like it's very significant that the first college athlete to sign with Gatorade is a female. I think that's, that's a very big thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it kind of shows the power. I mean, I, I know I just said power, but just the exposure that both page Beckers and AZ FUD have, because these are players that are at the biggest school 
taking up a big spotlight. I feel like if you ask the average non-sexist basketball fan, name a single college basketball player, I feel like Paige Beckers would probably come pretty close to getting the most responses. I don't maybe Drew Timmy at Gonzaga would be close. Maybe there's a couple other men's players, but it seems like Paige Beckers is such a ubiquitous name. And then AZ Fudd's getting to that level too. I think she's already a pretty well-known prospect, but as you kind of, it's not going to help her that she's out for a little bit of time and she hasn't really gotten her footing going at UConn. But once she does, I think she's going to start getting close to that level too. So yeah, I think, and you know, AZ Fudd being one of the first two collegiate athletes to sign with Chipotle and the other being another female athlete, Jaden Fields, the sister of Justin Fields, the Bears quarterback. I think it's just showing that these companies are investing in women athletes. And I mean, it's what we've been saying forever with the whole NCAA tournament inequity last season. People are tuning in and these companies and television networks aren't necessarily investing at the level that they should be. I think we're starting to see it with NIL and how big that some of these players brands and just the attention that some of these players get, how big it can be. That makes sense. Yeah, exactly. And I think like social media plays a big role in that too. Just like the amount of following and stuff that like Paige and AZ have on social media as part of, I think it's not the reason that they're like becoming household names, but it is part of it. It's just like they're, they're following on the internet and everything like that. And the fact that women's players are typically going to be around for four years too, it just like, it makes it kind of natural to gravitate towards that because there's going to be bigger names in women's sports because of that. So it's exciting to see that companies are recognizing that and investing in women's sports because I think the more you invest in it, the bigger things are going to get. For sure. Hopefully they can figure something out for the international athletes too, so that they can jump in on it. Gino mentioned something interesting yesterday, how this isn't a new issue when Svetlana Brosimova was here. And I imagine all the other international athletes that have come through UConn over the years, but she couldn't even get a part-time job because it was some issue with her visa because she's on a student visa, not a work visa, I think is the problem. I am not an expert on these things, but from my understanding, that's what it is. Mostly, I just want to sign Nika Mule up to do some sort of promotion for us. That would just be incredibly fun. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Well, Sailor Poffenbarger has a new home that definitely checks off all of her requirements. If we're going off what her mom said, she decided to transfer to Arkansas, leading to one of the most remarkable stats that... She began her UConn career, at least the first game that she was on the bench with UConn, came against Arkansas. And the last game that she was at UConn also came against Arkansas. Now she's a member of Arkansas's program. At least she will be once UConn semesters end. And she can transfer officially over to Arkansas because she is closing out the semester at UConn. Obviously, as Sailor's mom said, the academics played a very... They were a part of the reason that she decided to transfer from UConn. Her mom said the academics weren't engaging enough. So naturally she transferred from UConn, the number 23 school in US News's college rankings and went to Arkansas, which is number 162 on the same list. So just a totally reasonable (laughs) thing to do. I mean, if you want to be part of a Southern sorority, then yeah, you can't do that at UConn. UConn sororities are much different than sororities down South. So I guess if that's your focus, then yeah, you're going to get that at Arkansas probably more of a playing time opportunity at 
with the Razorbacks as well, just because we've seen what UConn's backcourt looks like. It was going to take a while for her to crack into it. Although she probably would have gotten a chance with AZ out, but still it seems like a, de- a decision that's going to benefit not only her basketball career with more of an opportunity, it's going to give her what she wants in the university side of it as well. Yeah, I do think she fits well with Arkansas system. Like they play pretty guard heavy rotation. They take a lot of threes. It's, it fits well with the style of play that she has. So hopefully it works for her. I just really want to say this because I got a couple of comments about it after the last podcast, but I really don't care that Sailor's transferring. That's fine. Do whatever you want. Do what's best for your career. Just don't have your mom trash the school that you went to to play basketball for the academics, which are obviously not bad as I mean, there's pretty much every objective measurement. UConn is very good academics. That's really what I have the most issue with. Don't trash UConn's academics when you started school during COVID. I'm not even sure if she's taking in-person classes. You're taking a lot of gen eds at this time of your college career anyways. UConn is a really good academic school. It is a public Ivy school. You don't think the academics are good enough. I think that says a lot more about what you were expecting out of the experience than UConn itself. And then just to the part about there wasn't much to campus life. Well, yeah, obviously you're in stores. That's kind of expected. Also, you're there to play basketball. No one who has ever come through the UConn program and has been great would say, oh, I mean, like, yeah, I won two national championships at UConn, played 10 seasons in the WNBA. But, you know, if I went to UCLA, I would have been in downtown Los Angeles. I would have had a lot more fun, like, kind of feel like basketball should be your main focus. I'm mostly just mad that she, her mom had to trash UConn unnecessarily. And then to go and transfer to a school like Arkansas. And to be fair, maybe Sailor doesn't have these thoughts. And maybe this was her mom just lashing out. And Sailor feels much differently. But again, her mom's comments line up with some of the things that we had heard. So it's not like it really came out of left field. I just love my school. I don't like when people say bad things about it. Yeah, I agree. I also don't like people trashing UConn, especially the academics. Like it is a really good academic school. That's not fair. Yeah. (laughs) Go, go. Yeah. Go transfer to another program. If you think it's going to be a better fit. I am all for that. I am all for college athletes finding the spot that they think is going to be best for their career. That is great. Just leave your school Shake your coach's hand when you leave in a theoretical sense. I don't mean you actually have to do that, but just leave quietly unless there is actually something bad happening at your school. But I mean, look, Avina Westbrook had bad things happening to her at Tennessee. She's rarely said anything. She hasn't outwardly said anything negative about Tennessee. Plenty of players have left UConn and have been mutual partings. Just go do what you think is best and leave it at that. I just... Okay, maybe my anger should be directed at her mom, not Sailor. Yeah. <laughs> I just really don't appreciate it. I'm a very proud alumni of the best school in the country. In my opinion, I'm not biased or anything. <laughs> you can follow two UConn alumni on Twitter, Megan Gower, Daniel V. Connolly. You could subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. That's where I get my podcasts. I think I'm one of like five people in the world that does that, but... Any other place that you get your podcasts, be sure to tell a friend. Sign up for the UConn Women's Basketball Weekly. Become a premium member if you so choose. Read the UConn blog. Megan, got anything to close us out? 
If we made your Spotify wrapped, tag us on Twitter. We love Ooh, to see. Oh, yes. That is a very good shout. Actually, I do want to shout out two people in that regard. At Stats Timmy, who tweeted that we were their number one podcast, as well as Anna from Australia. Anna447744. Also one of our top podcasts. If we were one of your top podcasts on Spotify wrapped, please do tell us. It does mean a lot to us. Spotify wrapped is the number one. Actually, the only thing that makes me wish that I had Spotify instead of Apple Music. <laughs> yeah, I enjoy it telling me that I listen to an embarrassing amount of Taylor Swift each year. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't stop listening to the 10-minute version of All Too Well. I think that just set a record for the longest hit ever, right? Yep, it, like this place was American Pie. Or, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I've also been listening to it too, for too much. I think probably too much. I think I've realized that I'm like moody and I'm like, uh, probably because <laughs> you've been listening to super depressing. I got repeat. <laughs> See, the, the problem that I find is when I open my music app, it like displays your recently added music, like right on the front page. And it's right there. So when I open my music app and I don't know what I want to listen to, I'm like, oh, I can listen to all too well for 10 minutes. That checks off whatever like small task that I need to do right now. That sounds easy enough. Yeah. Still a very good song. Shout out to Taylor Swift. Anyways, that'll do it from us. Thanks for listening.